Longtime fans of the show should be familiar with the lender formerly known as Sue Pullen, and I'm pleased to announce that she's back, fresh off a rebrand and ready to help as Sue Mackey. Sue is a certified mortgage advisor at Fairway Independent Mortgage, an equal housing lender who focuses on finding the right product for you and your needs. She has over 20 years of experience helping thousands of homeowners. Whether it's purchasing, refinancing, or even a reverse mortgage, Sue will help. Sue's licensed in 36 states now, so reach out and let Sue Mackey it happen for you. The best way to reach her is just give her a call at 520-977-7904 or in an email, spullen at fairwaymc.com. Fairway Independent Mortgage has an MLS number of 2289. Sue Mackey has an MLS number of 206048. That email again, spullen at fairwaymc.com. And that phone number is 520-977-7904. Shoot Sue an email and let her know she needs to update that address. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. That's bluehost.com wondersuite. You are listening to an entertainment program put together by a company called Financial Ineptitude. Anything said on this show is not an endorsement or professional advice. Would you really want to tell a court of law you were suing us because you thought taking financial advice from two idiots on a podcast put out by financial ineptitude was a good idea? Really? Clown hats on your face. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the China Shop. Joining me today, uh, along with Dan, Dan's taking some time off from, from moving to, to jump into this one because we've got the masterful and malevolent Max Thomas, co-founder of Traders Launch in the shop today. How are you doing today, Max? Doing all right. I, w- I would love to have an intro like that ever- anywhere I go, actually. <laughs> <laughs> well, I assume if you're going to be on this show, I, I give uh, good adjectives. Uh, the people who refuse to be on, like the enigmatic and eccentric Elon Musk, uh, you know, he may change if he decides to jump on the show. But the good adjectives are for the people who talk to us. <laughs> hey, as, as long as we know that there's a process to win your good graces, we, we will work with all you got to do is talk to me. That's all it takes. <laughs> I'm pretty simple. I'm pretty simple also in that sense, you know? Right. Uh, if you'd like to learn more about today's guest, make sure you check out his website at traderslaunch.com. You can see how they operate, the tools that they have to offer. And as always, please feel free to reach uh, reach out with your suggestions, corrections, or questions for future guests. Do that via email at twobulls at financialineptitude.com, or you can join our free Discord server where all the cool kids gather to share our joys and miseries with other like-minded market connoisseurs. We'll have all those links in the episode description so you can peruse them at your convenience. Now that we got the business end of this thing done, I think we should probably just dive into today's discussion. So why don't we uh, kick things off kind of with your background, Max? How, like, how did you get into the, the trading world? 
So trading world uh, came a little bit later for me. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm 32 now, and I started trading um, when I was about, about 24 years old, 23, 24. Wait, I, that's uh, late? Yeah, no. I know. <laughs> Kids trade at kids trade at eleven these days, you know. So oh, yeah, Lord, yeah. Uh, well, they also lose their virginity a lot earlier than I did too. So. Is that <laughs> well? The market will fuck anybody. So there you go. <laughs> it, it, there's there's a couple people that it doesn't seem to fuck for some reason. It's like there's there's market versions that uh, that have, have they have perfect win rate win, uh, win rates on Twitter. Have you seen these people? Yeah, yeah. Like Elon's brother. Um... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> congressman, I've seen you do very well. <laughs> I know. I keep on trying to subscribe to their trade journals, but they keep on uh, they keep on blocking me at the gates. Oh, I know, right? Brutal, you know? <laughs> but uh, yeah, so so background on me, I was actually I was a game developer for a long time before I ended up um, kept trying a couple different things and ended up uh, ended up in the financial markets. Well, what games did you work on? Um bunch of different ones couple a couple i can't talk about i had i had one called um orange fps that actually had a, a little over a million people playing it oh, um, nice maybe maybe eight years ago or something like that so uh yeah no I've, I've been around started all the way back in like early flash games and things like that and built the way built it up and uh and eventually got bored of that and said you know what i want a game i want an actual game that's exponentially more complicated and stressful <laughs> oh man you should create the stock market simulation then Right. Oh well, hey, hey. <laughs> as long as you as long as you don't tell people it's real money, you're okay, you know. Oh God, isn't that the truth? No. So how did that like how did that programming experience then like how did your transition happen? So well, so it, it was it was humble beginnings. I mean, I started off with like Java and uh, and Flash script, at the, Flash script and 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 C at the time and uh, C plus plus at the time mm. and uh, and slowly built it up and then eventually coming over to um, financial markets. It's more. Uh, I ended up starting with a trade station easy language, actually, then working over to Python, and uh, which is where I do most of my work now. Is that the preferred language that uh, code are for people who trade in the markets? Because uh, I see a lot of people tend to gravitate towards Python. I wasn't sure if that's just because it's easier, or if that's just because it's the most versatile. It's it's easier. It's it's one of the easiest things to ultimately find bug fixes on. There's always something at, at Stack Overflow to be able to figure something out, and uh, <laughs> they're great for statisticians. If you if you have a data set that you want to chop up easily, it's it's the go-to. So it sounds like that experience then really kind of helped jumpstart your trading career. Then, well, so not at first. Actually, I, I came in like uh, like every other bright-eyed trader and said, "Oh, you know what? I think I'm special, and I, and I think I can ultimately make some money here." Which, uh, which I did at first and then proceeded to give it all back until I, and then at that point I realized, hey, I don't have an edge and I should probably figure this out because I don't want to get caught in a randomness. Mm. So how did that process go then? Like, how did you come to that realization? Um, so that, I, I ended up meeting, uh, meeting a couple people that were um, quantitative by nature. And I said, you know what, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to trade my time fully for money, which retail trading really and discretionary trading really demanded. I said, you know what, I don't every single day, I'm kind of a human scanner, I show up, I have to look at these charts and say, Okay, is my edge there? Uh, should I trade this? Should I not? And so with my logic, I wanted to say, hey, can I just build a, a very basic robot version of myself to say, hey, did, uh, are we gapping 30% above yesterday's high? Or uh, did we touch a prior low or something like that? So I can basically automate that, uh, that thought process and not spend as much time looking for charts as opposed to actually trading the setups that I knew had some sort of historical edge. Interesting. Uh, Dan, you've been diving into um, um, 
bot building and like building custom studies over on Sierra charts. Do uh, you have anything that you'd like to ask or? Uh, yeah, yeah. It, did you find yourself like what, once you set up those those indicators, do you find yourself getting stagnant or or how, how do you keep yourself trying to grow as a trader uh, and, and relying and keep yourself from relying too much on those indicators and so I use them as a guideline, right? I, I think a lot of a lot of people will build one strategy and say, okay, this strategy is the strategy that I trade. It's the only one. You'll see a lot of people on Twitter saying, I only need two trades a week to be able to make X, X amount of dollars based on my edge. And the reality is that you want as many trades as possible per year so that you can basically lessen your size per trade, lessen the individual impact of those trades and actually smooth your volatility curve. So I've, I've always seen it as an opportunity to try to build as many edges as possible and then have a little bit of a processes or so you can have a little bit of a selection opportunity across them. Some people will argue, oh, you have to trade every single every single thing that your setup shows. You have to take it every single time. I've personally followed more of an ensemble route and say, OK, I need a couple of factors to line up to be able to turn on certain strategies or turn off others. So that's kind of how I've avoided stagnating and uh, also, it's a, there's a lot of factors. I think a lot of traders try to fight for lower time frames and say, I need strategies that work on the five minute. And the reality is you're fighting some of the smartest people in the world when you're trying to do that. So the better thing it is to mm -hmm. do is move to higher time frames, try to find strategies on a two hour, two hour basis across hundreds of different markets, um, ideally on the daily time frame, and then dial and work your way down from there. At, at least that's what worked for me. That's interesting. Why, why is that uh, that way? Why is the shorter time frame so much more difficult? Well, there's a lot of different, um, think about it as a, a lot of different players are basically trying to fight on that time frame, right? So you, have, so you have a lot of, a lot more noise is ultimately going to show up and those players are always getting more and more evolved. So they're always going to be basically changing market structure and trying to find new ways to hunt liquidity. And if you're trying to model something with a very specific risk, um, risk, uh, risk reward on a later time frame, you're always going to be chopped up, chopped up on that simply because the data is evolving every four to six months. Also doesn't help when, uh, if you're trading with a prop firm, if something like my Forex funds is going on and they're, they're actually working against you. Yeah. 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 Seriously. Right. It's, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, the fact of the matter is if they were actually trading all those traders live, they, I mean, they would bring, be bringing so much volume into the market that it would be, uh, it'd be completely unsustainable for them to manage their business. I mean, they, they had people with 20 different accounts at the same time and availability to trade 10 ES contracts per account. It's like, you really think that an online prop firm is going to let somebody basically ape into 20 ES contracts or 200 ES contracts? Right. <laughs> like, I mean, if you filter your time and sales for ES to see how many times a day 200 contracts goes off, mm -hmm. it's it's not that often, right? It's like, yeah. depending on the day, of course, depending on the session, um, depending on time, volatility, lots of different things. But it's... Uh, yeah, no, that, that's that, that's unsustainable, along with the fact that it's like, and because that's unsustainable, it's part of the reason that they had to be predatory, right? They don't want to let people grow in a system like that, because the more they grow, then they have to back them. See, I'm still just kind of catching up to the news on this, but you're making some great points. Like, yeah, the, the amount of people that sign up for someone like, say, Apex on their flash sales and getting these accounts and the type of leverage that you get with it. Yeah, you're right. It is unsustainable. But I at least hope that they would, you know, like if you showed enough potential or enough progress over the course of like, you know, two to three month period that they would start betting on you at that point, not looking at you like a liability. 
Well, it, it's tricky, right? It's tricky because I mean, I'm sure obviously you guys have traded before and even in, imagine if you took your say first two years of your trading data, right? Mm -hmm. Just looked at your equity curve and even say hypothetically, most new traders for the first two years are on just an, uh, a downtrend, right? But that yeah. downtrend looks much like a bear market, right? It slowly goes down and then all of a sudden you'll have maybe a month of it going straight up and then it slowly goes down and it basically spikes back up and slowly goes down again. So it's very hard for you to choose a new trader and say, hey, we have two months of data on you or three months of data because you don't know what subdivision of that potential equity curve you're looking at. You could be looking at that quick blip up and or that mean reversion, let's call it, on the overall downtrend and say, oh, wow, this person's amazing. But having a small sample size on a person makes it very, very hard to judge their, uh, their long-term profitability. Interesting. Mm. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, it also got, speaks right back to what you're saying about going to longer time frames. Then, <laughs> maybe as retail, we focus a lot too, or uh, way too much on these shorter time frames. And... Well, yeah, I mean, listen, we're we're all guilty. I was guilty at first, also. It's the only way I uh, eventually changed my mind was by looking at enough data and and talking to a lot of traders. Also, you realize, I mean, I I published a study the other day. It was a is a very simple, um, very simple strategy that gives you, I think, twelve trades per year. And mm -hmm. I, had a, I had a handful of traders going, why would I ever want this? Why? This is useless. This isn't going to help me make 50 grand this month. So guys, it's like, that's an extra 12 trades per year for the rest of your trading career. But I realized just due to the backlash that I got from that, that people want, they want to trade every day. They want 20 trades a day and they want, they want to be rich now. But the fact of the matter is nobody treats their, nobody treats other jobs like that, right? You don't go, oh, well, I'm an engineer, but I'm going to build every single bridge this year and retire. Like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> very well said. Yes. Are, are you kidding me? Like, is that like, but no, but for some reason, trader, traders do it every day. So it's like, oh, I just gave you bridge plans and you just complained to me. Like you just said, oh, yeah. no, I want all the bridges. Like, give me all the bridge. It's like, it's, it's so, so it's really a game of human expectations and, and kind of lying to yourself. Right. I mean, people are lying to themselves that it can all be done right now. And Yes, there are those outlier situations where a trader can make a couple hundred G's in a month or two off of nothing. But the fact of the matter is the behavior that got you there to make that money is the same behavior that's also going to give all that money back. So you can either position for the long term or you can uh, you can just be stuck in randomness. So how did you shift that thinking then? Like what was you said the data is what really opened your eyes. Can you kind of walk me through that experience like when it all clicked for you? So, I mean, backtesting, I mean, backtesting when you have data going back to the 1970s and you're testing on it and you see that, okay, this strategy has this sort of drawdown over this sort of period. And you kind of look at it and you say, okay, even the best strategies are going to have 10% drawdowns or losing years. And, but over this, say, individual strategy made X hundred times percent or X number of thousand percent over that period and say, okay, well, if I want to be able to reap any segment of that data, then I have to be here for the long run. I have no choice, right? Mm -hmm. To be able to, I can sustain 10% drawdowns if I size correctly and set myself up for that runway. But any single time, if I just kind of throw a dart at that data and said, these are the five years I'm going to trade, and then I'm going to be retired, and I might size up as a function of that, it drastically increases your chances of failure. And I'm planning on being alive for more than 10 years from now. So I figure I try to structure my career for that too. Fair enough. Right. It's like, it's, it's, it's an infinite game, but, uh, but we, we have a cap. We're not infinite yet. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, so we talked a little bit kind of about the prop firms and 
um, some of the stuff that was going on with my Forex funds. Uh, I mean, kind of want to talk about some of the stuff that they were actually doing. I, I think I was reading some email exchanges from uh, some people within the company talking about how they were like introducing slippage to try to like eat away their profits or like they were actually like doing manipulative practices to their fills in order to try to get these traders to fail. Yeah. How common do you think that is in the world of the prop firms? So, um, well, so let, let me backtrack a little bit and I'll, I'll get to there. So when we were setting up to build out our prop firm, we, uh, we're trying to figure out, basically we were talking to a lot of different people and trying to figure out, okay, how do we best structure this? And what we found pretty quickly, I mean, we're, we're based in the United States, but we found pretty quickly that there was a myriad of different companies out there that would help you set up your own prop. And for a relatively small amount of money, I mean, I'm talking like 20, 20 grand, 20 to 30 grand, you could have opened your own prop shop. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that's, I mean, might sound like a lot of money to some, but realistically to, to be able to offer hundreds of thousands of dollars to leverage to other people, you probably shouldn't just have 20 grand. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and so the part of the reason that was possible was due to the fact that they were, most of these firms were trading CFDs, which are uh, contracts for difference. And they're not legal in many, many, many parts of the world. I I don't believe they're illegal in India. I know they're illegal in the United States. Um, But one of the things about CFDs is they come with 500 to one leverage. Yeah, that's that's no joke, right? So part of the reason that people are able to do this is say, we have to actually, we only need a very small alley of capital to be able to, uh, to be able to sling a lot of contracts at the same time. The trouble with that is that the CFD market is also more liquid and that comes with myriad problems. So you're going to have weird fills and slippage and things like that that come with that also. So as we were looking through all this, we realized that, okay, we could start a company by doing it, but even these basically these, these, uh, these basically prop setup shops were like, okay, you just need to open an, uh, you need to open a bank account and an, an offshore bank account. You can set it up in one of these countries. We're like, hmm. okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, so we have a third party telling us that we should open up a bank account in another country. and But you have to be a citizen of the, that country to open a bank account. And we brought that up to them. And they said, oh, no, you can get around that by going here. Oh, oh wow. I was like, okay, Christ. Like, So we've seen a proliferation of prop firms and so many have popped up recently. And I think that's part of the reason, right? That, yeah, that would make sense. But so it's also why you see so many things like, oh, 50% off and this and that. And all these things are part of the reason. It's kind of the setup for the reason that there's so much scamming in this industry, right? If you start a prop with 20, 30, 50, even even 100 grand to your name, do you think you really can take the risk on of actually backing people? No, absolutely not. Exactly. And that's, I mean, granted, my Forex funds was massive at this point. But if you subdivide, even they, what, I think they pulled 370 million bucks of revenue or something like that. Yeah. But even so, they said they had 60,000 traders at some point. I mean, even if that was 5,000, 10,000 funded traders, if all of a sudden you're doing that, what it takes to manage that kind of risk across that many traders, especially trading a highly levered product like futures, it opens you up to a massive amount of problems. So their only choice was not backing people and doing predatory practices to slip them. And I mean, be, be it slip them, give them terrible fills and so on down the lines. It's a, it's a shame, but I would be willing to wager that uh, because it's so easy to do this, they're probably not the only ones. I would, yeah, I would bet my house on that. Actually. Are there any reputable trading firms out there that are actually 
being pro successful prop trading firms that, that anybody can walk in the door and try and get funded? Um, I, I can't speak to anybody walk in the door. Um, there's there's yeah. obviously certain countries that people won't let in, various restrictions and things like that and re mm -hmm. regulatory issues. But there, there's a handful of ones out there that are that, that are above board, actually do move their traders to live environments and aren't aren't keeping them on sim and are actually backing them, which is uh, which is good. Right. Because if it was mm -hmm. just uh, if it was an industry that was filled with um, just predatory people, then it would be a matter of time before regulation shook the tree to, to the point where everybody fell out. Thankfully, there's a handful of people that are actually doing the right thing because because uh, prop firms are still a valuable service, right? Yeah. Yeah. Becoming a trader, it's uh, becoming a trader on your own dime is incredibly hard. And the fact that there's people out there that are willing to give you a structured plan to be able to test your hand at this career, I think, is an essential service. Well, how many of them out there too are actually like look like they're investing in you as well? Like that's another thing that I've noticed too is not many of them have like a whole lot of educational content or good educational stuff on there to like actually like try to teach you how to trade. If they really wanted you to learn how to do it right, you think they'd be offering a lot more tools to help you? You would assume. You would assume. I mean, I, I can't speak. I can't speak fully to that. Um, I, I've seen some of the education of the problems that are out there that are so, somewhat um, saying they're investing in their traders and. I mean, granted, listen, I'm biased, right? You, you, yeah. you, you, can, you can read, uh, you can give me 20 uh, courses about psychology and how to buy the dip. And I'm going to look at it and say, okay, well, what does the data say? Right. Yeah. Right. It's like, it's like, okay, yeah, it, it worked this month. How about next month or last month or six years ago? It's like, does this, is it repeatable? Right. So mm -hmm. the education is kind of the same wishy-washy shit you'll find on YouTube, honestly. I, I wouldn't call it education. <laughs> oh, wow. You just damned YouTube too? Hey, listen, I, I, I had a period of time where for six months, I just back tested YouTube strategies to see if there was anything worth it. And let me tell you, that was a very eye opening and very wasted six months. Really? Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you want to get PTSD and never watch another trading video? Back test that shit. <laughs> oh, what were some of the like bigger ones that, uh, that had no edge that you found? Uh, I mean, pretty much any moving average crossover on a, on a lower time frame. I'll start there. Really? Yeah. Hmm. So how do you actually go and like backtest these things? Like that's something that I've always been interested in. Like how do you how do you actually manipulate the data and look at it? Like what's the actual nut and bolts to to putting the code together to do this? So I, I use Trade uh, TradeStation primarily. I've got a couple other uh, programs that I use also, but TradeStation is always my go-to, and uh, I always start at the daily time frame, and then I work my way down from there. My my logic is that the uh, the hourly time frame exists within the daily time frame. The five minute time frame exists within the hourly and so on down the line. So if I can find which way the wind is blowing on a higher time frame, then it's much easier to figure out what uh, what uh, what direction I should be betting on those lower time frames. So okay. to make it very simple, it's like if we have two uh, if we if we have one day that closes on the S and P that closes up more than one point five percent, what happens the next day? Like what are the odds of the next day closing? Closing red, let's say it's like okay, if it closes red, what uh, how much of the volatility that happens in that day is above the open price or basically is below the open price? So in the favor of being a red day. Once I figure that out, and I can basically say, hey, fifty-five percent of the time the next day is going to close green or red, then I'll start basically grinding down and say, okay, what exists within that? Oh, that's fascinating. And so, I mean, you can do the same thing with monthly charts, right? You, you yeah. start monthly and say, okay, what is what is the weekly probability within that? What is the uh, what is the daily probability within the weekly? And it's it's basically just a drill down, right? I mean, there's a bunch mm -hmm. of things you have to do to make sure that you're not curve fitting, of course, because it's um 
very, very easy to do. And you have to put a bunch of rules in place for yourself because we're just humans. We like pretty equity curves, but, uh, but, but it, it's doable. When you say curve fitting, are you talking about um, like adjusting your parameters to fit the data that you've back tested versus yeah. like trying to over optimize for the set of data that's already happened? Exactly. Right. It's uh, I mean, if, if you're, if you have, if you have three rules for a strategy that has, I don't know, a thousand trades over 20 years, that's probably not overfit unless those rules are far too complicated. But if you have 10 rules saying, okay, it has to be within this time of day and the bar needs to close less than the other bar and the moving average needs to be here and the stochastics need to be here, then what you're doing is you're, you're kind of cherry picking the data to say, hey, this is absolutely perfect and this is what it needs to be. And that's just not going to work out. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I'm happy to show you guys. I will, I will hop on a live stream anytime and illustrate this for you guys. <laughs> it's a trap that's really easy to fall into. I think I've, uh, I think I've fallen into it a few different times, Dan. I'm sure you have. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, it's 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 natural for humans, right? If you tell it, it's like what's natural for humans and is natural for the market is totally different things, right? It's like if you t if you tell a joke and people laugh at it, then you can you're pretty sure that you're going to be able to tell that joke again. And people are going to laugh at it again, right? It's like if you can read the yeah. room, you're going to keep on working in your favor. Just because you bought the dip and it worked out does not mean that the next dip is going to be as kind as the people laughing. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. Yeah. They'll probably be laughing at you, actually. Are you laughing? <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, there's one other thing that I wanted to touch on with the MyForex funds. Um, yeah, pitch it my way. Uh, I'm trying to remember what the, the actual quote was. It was something to do with how they were actually trading counterparty to the majority of their clients. And I was trying to figure out what that meant. Like they were actually like selling them the contracts that they were buying, like that kind of, is that what they meant by that? Well, so, so they weren't passing the trades to it, to an, uh, to an actual licensed broker from, from right. my understanding. Right. So it's like, right. if, um, say, say they had people on demo, right. They had people on demo, they left them on demo, but then we're copying those trades on their end. Mm -hmm. um, exactly one-to-one -one copying those trades and, and then paying them out as a function of that without actually moving them over to a licensed broker that would do that, then they would be acting as the counterparty. And that is a big no-no. Really? Yeah. So, I mean, that's the reason. So when we structured our firm, the way that we have to do it is we will validate you on, uh, on SIM. And then after that, if basically, if we were going to copy your trades, we need to pass you over to a real broker, um, be, be it interactive brokers or put you onto a our T3 platform with that uh, with sterling trader it's like uh, that's how it has to be i mean if we just keep you on demo and indefinitely and copy those trades that then we're effectively acting as a broker dealer okay okay that makes sense i was trying to figure out what the the hiccup there was but yeah that sounds like a regulatory nightmare Longtime fans of the show should be familiar with the lender formerly known as sue pullen and i'm pleased to announce that she's back fresh off a of rebrand and ready to help as sue mackey Sue is a certified mortgage advisor at Fairway Independent Mortgage, an equal housing lender who focuses on finding the right product for you and your needs. She has over 20 years of experience helping thousands of homeowners. Whether it's purchasing, refinancing, or even a reverse mortgage, Sue will help. Sue's licensed in 36 states now, so reach out and let Sue Mackie it happen for you. The best way to reach her is just give her a call at 520-977-7904 or in an email spullen at fairwaymc.com. Fairway Independent Mortgage has an MLS number of 2289. Sue Mackey has an MLS number of 206048. That email again, spullen at fairwaymc.com. And that phone number is 520-977-7904. Shoot Sue an email and let her know she needs to update that address. 
Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know why they, I mean, I think it's one of those feeling too big to fail sort of situations. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't I don't know what they were thinking, right? I mean, they, they, got, they got big enough that they had to, become more predatory uh, against their clients. They, they, they could have parlayed that business into something that was incredibly profitable. Yeah. But I mean, granted, they got that big by running constant promos and deals and $20 accounts and things like that. And that uh, it's just not sustainable. I mean, I mean, th think about it from the data cost perspective, right? Can you have somebody have a $20 account, right? Can you give them a one-time fee for 20, 50, even a hundred dollar account and say, okay, yeah, you're profitable on a $2,000 account, even if you have five contracts, it's like your data fees. I mean, your data fees are 125 bucks a month for them after that, right? for that individual. I mean, and we can't just, I, I can't take uh, data from the CBOE and then just pass it on to other people. It's like, no, I, I need, I need to license that data and be able to pass it on accordingly. If I'm going to parse it to other people, I, that needs to be done correctly, you know? And mm -hmm. usually it's like, once somebody has an individual contract with you, they have to have their own data, right? So it's just the way they had the entire thing set up was not a sustainable business model. Yeah, that sounds suspiciously like another one of those big ones out there too. The uh, the flash sales and I, I might I might be tipping my hat, but I I, I, don't, <laughs> I, I don't wear a hat. So, I'm not gonna so <laughs> let me ask this: Let's pretend that I'm a retail trader that's actively looking for a good prop firm. What are some of the things that I can watch out for? to to know like oh these this this firm is on the up and up this firm is on the level what should i be looking for well let me start at the things you should be avoiding okay okay right because I, I think i, I think of, of avoiding losing everything is is the most important job of a trader right yeah and obviously our most valuable asset is our time and trading is stressful enough so if you're going to sign up with a firm that's going to not only waste your time but waste the money that you put into it that that's yeah. i think that's a massive red flag and uh, I mean, obviously, constant discounts. I, I, I would I would say avo avoid that because if they're giving constant discounts, then uh, I mean, listen, there's still the 90 90 90 rule, right? 90% of traders lose 90% of their money in 90 days. That's uh, that's a hard fact, right? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's brutal, but it's I mean, listen, most people that try to do anything difficult quit in life. The markets mm -hmm. just happen to have a, a a longer horizon. Let's call it right. <laughs> okay, fair enough. But if basically if, if a firm is basically giving away discounts and things like that for free to the point where it's so cheap that even with that 10% of people passing that they would be losing money, <laughs> that firm is probably doing something predatory. Stay away from them. Okay. Um, an another one that I would suggest avoiding at all costs is, uh, is equity trailing um, drawdowns. And that's where they look at your peak equity, even on open positions? Yep, open positions. Yeah, I hate that. 
Yeah, well, it's brutal. I mean, I can I, once once again, I, I will say right now, I will happily go on a live stream, show you some incredible strategies that have worked over the past 20, 30 years, and then I will apply any amount of equity trailing drawdown on them, and you will watch those strategies fall apart. Wow! Wow! I'm really glad to hear to have someone say that. Yes. Um, thank, thank you for saying that. Wow. No, no. So the fact of the matter is. Even the best traders, even the best traders out there, if you applied an equity tra trailing drawdown to them, they wouldn't have an edge anymore. Hmm. It's, I mean, it, it's just, I mean, think, look at the market, look at any chart. How many charts go straight up and straight down? And how often are we able to catch them as a tra trader? Right. Like 99% of positions that you enter, you're going to have some amount of adverse excursion. Mm -hmm. So having an equity trailing drawdown is going to chip away at you every single time. So a firm that is applying something like that does not have any interest in actually finding a real trader with a real edge. They just care about your subscription money. And it's, mm. uh, I, I, I wouldn't apply it to my strategies, so I wouldn't recommend applying it to a person. Well, right. I have noticed, actually, anytime I put a trailing stop on any like uh, spreadsheet trading thing that I've tried testing on Sierra charts, it immediately does worse. Yeah, pretty, pretty much always. I mean, don't get me wrong, tra trail, trailing stops occasionally there's certain strategies where they are useful but most of the time i, I would avoid them at all cost i mean there, there's dynamic position sizing is uh yeah dynamic position sizing and multiple entries and exits is, is a much better better strategy um almost every single time as opposed to having an actual trail on your position mm -hmm. now when you say dynamic position sizing it means like identifying this is a, a higher probability area than than others well so there's there's a couple of ways you can weight that right it, it can be saying okay this strategy is a higher 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 win rate so i want to allocate a tiny bit more uh, capital to it mm -hmm. in comparison to the rest of my strategies um but most of the time that i the way that i use it is relative to volatility and i think all traders should size this way right i mean if uh, if you have a rolling window of volatility say the past 10 days you can use you can basically create a very simple position size calculator and saying okay if uh if, if, if the average if the average range over the past 10 days is only two points then then i can then i can size my risk according to that but if all of a sudden the volatility raises over that same period raises up to six points you need to cut your sizing by three mm -hmm. um and that's and that's wow. just so, because if you have a string of listen you're going to have strings of five ten losers in a row if you don't adjust your sizing based on that as volatility expands you're going to even if you are a very profitable trader, you're probably just going to be in a, chop, a choppy up and down sideways equity curve. Mm -hmm. Right. Oh, wow, man. So to, to speak on that and to tie it back into the prop firm thing, that's part of the reason they give you so much bloody leverage also. <laughs> More rope to hang you, yeah. hang yourself. <laughs> that's literally all it is, right? I mean, they don't, any single prop firm that you sign up an account with, the first thing that you're going to do when you open that account is they're going to say, oh, hey, here's full-size ES contracts. You don't yeah. see, you don't see anybody saying, hey, you preload our chart, preload our platform. We're going to start you out with MES contracts. It's like, right, right. That, that's the right thing to do, right? I mean, not only that, but the daily drawdowns are always like two thirds of the account size. Like, wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense from a risk management perspective. Yeah, it's it's, it's preposterous, right? If you actually sit down with, with, with a pen and paper and calculate this out, I mean, it's the, your odds of success is is infinitesimally small if, if you do what most people are saying you should be doing which is trading them like you would trade a personal account. You almost have to. Which is, yeah, right. But which is trading them like you're, yeah, you're, you're like your like your normal YouTube guru saying, oh, I can, I can just, I, I, I've got, I, I can, I can risk three pips and, uh, and, and put on five contracts, right? Mm-hmm.
It's like most people will bleed themselves out that way because they think, oh yeah, I have to make $5,000 profit trades and I, but I'm going to set my wrist so tight. It's like the reality is, is that like price, price is a function of time. You're better off sizing down and letting, letting the market work in your favor. Ah, yes. Man, I, I hope people listening have a notebook with them because I'm filling one up. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm today. trying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I got to re-listen and just get the transcription and print it out. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. That's all really solid advice, Max. Thank you. Yes. Hey, listen, it is, this, this, when, when I, when, if I start trading badly, this is, the, this is basically my rule book that I come back to. So I, I'm just I'm parroting to you guys the things that I've told myself anytime I start to run into a bumpy road. Wonderful. Well, and a big part of it for me, though, is your professional understanding of these prop firms is making me feel better about some of the experiences I've had. Yes. And I've been really hard on myself about them. And uh, having this conversation, I'm realizing I'm it's like being hard on myself for losing at craps at the casino. Like, well, you play long enough. Guess what? What's going to happen? The edge right. is in your favor. Exactly. Yeah. No, spot, spot on. I mean, when I, before we started out, I was looking at all of them trying to say like, okay, what, wh where is the value prop here? It's like, uh, obviously so, so many firms will structure themselves to say it, it's a, it's an attractive business from the outside. Oh, you can, you can start a firm and you can basically uh, make, make a valuation on money and find profitable traders. But it, it's, it's, I, uh, most people don't start out with that intention. You know, most people start out and say, okay, we're, we're just going to basically uh, use a kind of like pyramid scheme it. use the profit from all the people that fail to pay out the people to pay, to pay out the few that actually make money, never a book anybody and uh, and then try to run away with the money before that. You know, they sound really similar to uh, like the bucket shops that were described in reminiscences of a stock operator back yep. in like the early 1900s. Yep, not far off. Is that basically what these are? Those are the modern day version of that? Yeah, it's a def definitely a version of it. They just have slick web pages then, you know? <laughs> yeah. Wow. So we've kind of hinted at, we let you kind of talk about some of the, the bad actors that are out there. Like what makes Traders Launch different? What are you guys doing with this new startup that is different and puts you more online with the, the retail traders that would be, should be subscribing with you? So we, we actually touched on it a little bit already, and it's kind of the data side of things. It's like we want to invest in our traders, and we have a firm belief that, uh, that humans, are, uh, humans are imperfect. Even the best traders will sometimes basically have bad trading days, right? Mm. And so we wanted to say, okay, we want to find profitable traders, but we also want to be able to augment them with data. Um, so I look at it for myself, and I say, okay, I'm a, I'm a very systematic trader. I obviously have lots of strategies, but I'm still a firm belief that the human the human element still can have a lot of edge right mm -hmm. and so we looked at it and i said okay i have a bunch of strategies but i'm i'm one person i can't watch all of these strategies and obviously my, my trading partner um connor is the same thing as we have a whole stack of strategies together and we're looking at we like we can't manage all these strategies on top of do the extra research to say hey when is the strategy best turned off or best turned on and we said you know what if we ultimately started a prop firm we'd be able to do that to some extent because we'd have the human side of it so we looked at it and we said, okay, let's try to find profitable traders and augment them with the data that we already have. And on top of that, give them the tools so that they can learn the same skill set that we have to augment themselves. So we looked at it from a sense of if we're going to be backing our individual traders, unlike these, most of these other prop firms, then it's in our best interest for them to actually be able to grow be, and be profitable. So we said, okay, let's try to teach them the exact same thing that we have. Obviously, we need to qualify them still and say, hey, can they stick to the basic risk rules? But after that, it's kind of full tilt and say, okay, you're managing our capital. We want you to be able to grow and we want you to have the same stack that we do. So when they, when a, a trader passes with you guys, they are 
you're immediately uh, uh, actually putting their trades on? They are funded through you? Yeah. So after we finish the qualifying period, we move them over to uh, to our brokers. Like in, we have interactive brokers as one of our main ones. So we'll move them over to IB accounts. Mm-hmm. Also, I was looking through the website and looking at the different price plans. Are all of your accounts one-time fees for the trial periods? Yep. One-time fee. How does that work? Um, what, what side of it? Okay. Say I sign up for it. Like how does, how does my progress go? Like what, if I pass, what happens? If I fail, what happens? All right. Yeah. Fairly simple. So we, we run two-step programs currently. Um, so say you sign up, it's a one-time fee. There's no time limit at all. So if it takes you a year, it takes you a year. We have, we have no problem with that. Mm-hmm. And so you basically, you run through phase one. It's, you have an 8% profit target on your account. If you hit, um, if you hit a 4% um, drawdown at the end, basically intraday drawdown, you, you will be invalidated. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously stop yourself out before that. We have, we have a warning limit. So it, with it, within our broker, basically stop you out. And then there's a secondary, um, secondary phase where you do basically the same thing, except it's a closer profit target. Oh, okay. so you have two steps. Yep, exactly. And the two steps is just to be able to gather enough trading data on that trader to say, okay, how can we manage our risk around them? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is obviously incredibly important for us because we need to be able to, we need to be able to dynamically manage them and decide how to allocate our resources so that we can back everybody. And what's the, uh, what's the target time frame for a trader? I mean, obviously you said there's no time limit, uh, but like you say that you, you've got to gather enough trades, but you don't want people like over trading, you know, the whole day. Uh, are we talking six months, two years? No, listen, if, if a trader passes in two weeks with, with a couple of right trades, we're, we're still going to back them because that's the agreement that we made with them. Oh, wow. Okay. I mean, so that's, that's basically the risk on our side. We, uh, we can't off put the risk simply due to the regulation side of things. If we, mm-hmm. if they, if they pass based on the rules that we set forth and that agreement is obviously signed, then yeah, we, we back them and we assume that risk on the drawdown that we uh, negotiated with them. Wow. Okay. Wonderful. So tell me about the rules that you do have in place. How are they different than say what my Forex funds was doing or what uh, some of the other bigger names out there are doing? So one of the main differentiators for us is, is the fact that we, uh, once a trader ultimately passes that gets to the funded stage is that if they hit their intraday drawdown, they don't lose their account. Mm-hmm. Which is a big one. I, yeah, I think that's nice. even the best traders. I mean, I, I know for myself, I have hard stops on my accounts and every once in a while I hit them and I know very well based on my past data, if I don't have those hard stops, I end up giving back way more on those individual days. So we kind of structured it to the point where we can set it up actually in the tra- traders favor where they can grow and can make mistakes, but we still have some sort of hard rules in place to make sure that they don't ultimately give up all their profits back or lose their account. Because I think, I mean, what we see with a lot of other firms is that they have rules in place. Oh, you hit your, you've been funded with us for six months, but you hit your intraday drawdown. Oh, nope. Sorry. You're gone. Your accounts are gone. You, you're not eligible to your profits or you're eligible to only a percentage of your profits, if any. And we don't think that's right. And we don't think we're going to find the talent that we're looking for by doing that. No. And that's, yeah, that sounds exactly like what you're saying, that predatory. They're trying to make you fail because they don't want to pay you because you being profitable hurts them. That's what I'm trying to say. Correct. Yeah. So we decided to try to switch that model up and say, okay, can we make traders being profitable help us as opposed to kind of the industry standard, which is traders being profitable hurts us. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Turns out you can if you actually, you know, uh, groom them uh, and give them the tools to succeed rather than shutting things off. (laughs) Hey, listen, I'm with you on that one. It's uh, my, my logic is I am human. So it's kind of important to bet on the home team, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
Are you not Team Robot yet? <laughs> so, uh, looking at the the uh, website, then too, like, uh, are you guys only stock equities, or do you do other things like forex, uh, futures, options, that kind of stuff? All right. So, first thing I'll say is we're we're staying out of forex. Um, uh-huh. I've, tested, I've tested strategies on everything, literally everything, and finding strategies that hold up over time in forex is a bloody nightmare. They, it's not worth it. It's like, I want to trade the easiest markets with the most amount of trade opportunities with the best edges where I'm potentially playing against not the smartest people in the world. And that's not the Forex market. I mean, the Forex market is way, 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 way too hard. And I've made almost all of my money in equities. I think Mm -hmm. uh, you can find the broken slot machine analogy and say, Hey, that you're able to actually find some sort of edge in your favor for equities. So with our logic of actually wanting to find profitable traders and not churn and burn people, that's what we wanted to offer. Mm-hmm. So it's mostly just equities then at this point? Yeah, primar- primarily equities currently. We plan on, uh, for funded traders, we can give them access to futures also. They obviously have a, such a track record with us at that point, so we can allocate that to them if they are in need of that. But for our mm-hmm. current evaluation, we'd have it as just uh, the most liquid U.S. equities. Um, I think I also saw in there that you guys have some educational content too, which uh, I think we hinted at a little bit earlier. Uh, tell me what uh, what traders would get uh, when they do sign up, if they sign up for one of these uh, plans. Yeah, so we're starting to build out some basic edge packages right now to give them ideas of how to build their own edges and some strategies that they can use in their markets, mm-hmm. which I think is the most, basically trying to shift their thinking to, oh my God, I have to trade today. Today is the last day that I have to trade to saying, hey, here's 12 trades that you can do every single year mark them on your calendar and show up for them. And so there's a bunch of different things like that that we provide that uh, I think can basically help traders prepare for a long run sort of career here. It's interesting. You think you get yeah. enough people, you know, you collect enough of those 12 day, twelve days a year trades. Uh, eventually you do have a trade every day, right? Yeah, without, without, <laughs> without question, right? I mean, it's, uh, it, it's, I, I don't want to say it's easy because it's, it's not easy at all. But, but once you start doing it and putting the work in like any other job, there's a, there's a lot out there still. I, I mean, the markets, people love to say the markets are efficient, but listen, markets are a function of people and people are not efficient. <laughs> no, people are emotional. And <laughs> Oh my God, we're the worst. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even the most non-emotional people get emotional. So if, if that's an indicator yeah. of, of it, I, I don't know what else is. I used to think I was pretty emotionless until I started trying to learn to trade. And then I found out that, wow, I've got a lot more shit that I got to deal with than I thought I did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Listen, we, we, we all share that pain. It's uh, why well, go to therapy when you can trade to learn about yourself, right? I, yeah. I think that sometimes I think the tuition cost for learning to trade is worth it for the self-improvement that I've done over the whole time. Listen, part of the reason I remember listening to the uh, to chat with traders episodes, not to plug a different podcast on your podcast. Oh, that's OK. Whoa. We can talk about them. Whoa. We like we like those guys. Yeah, we're friends with everybody. Right? Everybody's All great. Right. All right. Yeah, agree. Right. So I remember listening to them years back when I was when I was just starting to trade and going, wow, so these a lot of these traders are the most objective people that I've ever heard. They have the ability to basically, uh, what, do they, what do they say? Um, strong opinions loosely held, right? They have the ability to flip their perspective very quickly. And we're incredibly humble and self-aware. I was like, I've talked to a lot of people in a lot of different industries and very few to all of them exhibit these same qualities as traders do. So mm-hmm. as I was foraying into that, I was like, I want these qualities. I want to learn that. But it uh, takes longer than you expect, as always. What are your top, let's say, top five qualities in a trader that you'd look for for somebody that you'd want to put your money up to back? 
Oh, top five. Um, or top three or you know, yeah, whatever yeah. Your, your top of your list is. I would say data. Data is very, very high, obviously, as you can take away from this. I, I don't want them to basically, uh-huh. I, I don't want them to come in and to say, oh, I am the edge. It's like, okay, do you track how well you slept last night? Do you track how well you did? Do you know how you behave when you're in a drawdown versus when you've won 30 trades in a row? Um, I want them to have some sort of pulse on who they are, right? And what their strategy mm-hmm. is. I mean, the most important question to ask any trader, and I, I would weight this above all else, is when I say, what's your strategy? If they pause for 20 seconds and then come up with something that's mm-hmm. kind of feels like it was thrown together that second, uh, that I think that's everything. Uh-huh. Oh, man. I don't even know if I can. Can I answer that question? Like, which oh, one, I know I, I can. I think I, that would be my uh, first thought is like, wait, which strategy are we talking about? <laughs> Listen, which, which, which strategy are we talking about is all right, because I'd have to ask the same question if somebody asked me. You're right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> all right. right. You, you bought yourself time on that one, but you, you better believe next time I, I, I'll sneak that question in on you. Right. right. Okay. <laughs> Make a note, Dan, if we have him back, if we do a round table. <laughs> uh, I, I definitely trade the Globex extremes. That's what okay. I do. Yeah. All right. There's something to be said for that. I'll I'll I'll, uh, I'll I'll give a little tip and I'll say filter it by volatility and uh, and and take a look at that. I and actually that's one of my big notes from our conversation earlier. Uh, <laughs> uh, is the rolling ten day volatility average and dynamic position sizing, and I think it goes right along with like ah oh, you know what I think uh, now that you've said that like thank you. Thank you again. Yeah. I'm gonna re-listen to this episode, Max. You're amazing. Thank you. Uh, yeah. hey, thanks, guys. Thanks. I'm, I'm, I'm blushing. I don't think the camera is on, and I don't even know if I blush, but I'm going to throw that out there. Dan, put your pants back on. Oh, well, you know, it's, it's radio. I, you can do I what you the want. Cameras weren't on for a reason. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, any other uh, top qualities that you look for? Um, le- level-headed. Level-headed mm-hmm. is important, right? It's like, I mean, you, you need to be able to look at yourself and say, hey, I was an idiot today. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. yeah. Right. It's like, Jake, hey, we do got that. that. <laughs> <laughs> do that every week. <laughs> I, I got that in spades every day. I actually have it, yeah. have it to the point where if if uh, if I run my accounts up uh, too much in too short of a time period, I uh, I'll, I'll I'll start cutting my size down because I have like a little indicator that's like, do you feel smart? Do you feel like a good trader? It's like because if that if you, uh, if you yeah. pick those boxes and those are true, it's like you need to dial your risk back because you're about to do something dumb. <laughs> oh, okay. Yes, You're writing that uh, down too. <laughs> I think we've all done that. Yeah. That's, yeah, that. that's just the human element sprinkled on top. We're we're all guilty of that. Oh, Max, this has been fantastic. One of the things that you said about the uh, the longer time frame that's something that I've been kind of exploring a lot more lately. And hearing you talk about that has given me, I think, the the push I needed to to really kind of fully dive into that. So, thank you. Hey, listen, happy to share anything. Also, it's like I can. Uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm happy to share anything with you guys. Feel free to reach out. I'll I'll share I'll share I'll, I'll share charts and, uh, and and a couple strategies if you want, just so you can kind of uh, bang, knock these principles home. Well, I love the idea. You mentioned a couple times doing a live stream with us. Um, maybe talk to the uh, the Discord community and see if we can get that set up. Yeah, de- definitely. I'll I'll show them how to how to uh, how to lose money with uh, systematically. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, touche! <laughs> yeah, yeah. How, how to lose? How to lose? How, how to lose money with data? I'm, I'm sure we'd get a lot of people to tune into that, right? Yeah, oh right, God, yeah, right. right? <laughs> well, at least to be honest, right? 
Well, hey, listen, it's the exact opposite. You have, and you have data in your favor, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, geez. Okay, Dan, any questions you want to ask before we wrap this up? Yeah, can we get a, a promo code to help people get over to Traders Launch from our, our Discord? Yeah, definitely. We can we, we can set something up. I'll, I'll be the first to say also that uh, we uh, we don't offer massive promos. Um, mm-hmm. It's sim- simply due to the fact it's uh, as I touched on this episode, we're not we're not. Uh, I don't want to say predatory. That. You're just yeah. We're, we're not some of the other guys where we can be like fifty yeah. percent off and have our business still exist. And uh, if we if we want to be able to help traders over the long run, then uh, it's important to keep our structure fairly tight. But we, we can we can uh, we can find a little bit of wiggle room to work something out with you guys. That'd be oh, fantastic. Okay. Yeah, we can talk fantastic. a little more about that offline. At the yeah. very least, I wanna I wanna provide a link to you guys. I know yes. I myself, uh, uh, you've sold me. I've already been on your website this whole conversation. I'm I'm in. <laughs> hey hey, we'd we'd love to have you. Let me uh let let's touch base before before you jump in and start and start going wild. Let me uh let, let me share some data with you so you can okay. uh, apply some okay. strategy. Oh, I love this. Oh yeah, no, I'm willing to take my time. I want to do it right. Right. Hey. That, that's what we like to hear. I don't want to see you. I don't want to see you guys say that and then hop in and go full leverage day one. <laughs> right, right. No, I'm the one trading three micros on a Apex account right now, currently. Yeah. Yes, you don't have to worry about that with me. <laughs> a- a- I will tell you right now, Apex is horrified of you. He's like, they're uh-huh. like, oh my god, he's on to something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, Max. Anything else you want to leave the listeners with before we uh, we uh, conclude this episode? Um, mind your risk. Mind your risk. It's all that matters if you want to stay in this game. Mind your risk. But truer words when risk manager first. Yeah. Let, let, listen. If you, if you if you want to show up tomorrow, don't lose fifty percent today. You know. That's right. Right. That's uh. And, and le- unless you unless you like that, I don't I, I don't know. There's got to be somebody. Pain feels wow. good. I, I, a financial masochist they, they, they exist they exist people keep signing up for these chat rooms it's not it's not a random chance what was that movie the with uh, al pacino where he's uh, the gambler uh, and he's like trying to like run that firm that's like giving the bet picks to people oh god I, i'm literally the worst person to ask I think keanu reeves any given it. sunday no not that one uh damn the devil's advocate uh no no i don't think it was that one either maybe i don't know but in that one he talks about at the end when he loses everything and he's still standing and he's like that's the high that he's always chasing like people think that people addicted to gambling want want to win big but really they want to be able to lose and or get back to even like that's the high you chase yeah no that that's actually very common emotional volatility is uh Mm -hmm. highs and lows highs and lows can mirror each other yeah Mm. yeah it's a it, it's a weird it's a weird thing, but hey, as as we said many times through this, people are imperfect. <laughs> Two for the month. Oh yeah, I think that was it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you have to write that from uh, the better's perspective uh, for next week, Dan. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah, seriously, right? We, 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 I'm, I'm going to go study it now. All right. Well, Max, this has been. Uh, Eye-opening, phenomenal. phenomenal, fantastic. We've been getting a, just a string of great guests lately. I'm so happy we get to add you to the list. Uh, new show friend, too. We'll definitely have all the links for, for Trader's Launch. Uh, but yeah, it is unfortunate that we have come to the end with Max. But as we said, you can check that out. Go to traderslaunch.com. Go see what they have to offer. See how they're different. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, we're feeling empty inside and wanting more. Please go check out our guest directory. You can see all the other amazing people we've had the pleasure of speaking with. All those links will be in the episode description. We will be back soon with another exciting episode. But until then, do not be like my Forex funds. Actually help us hit our targets by liking this episode, 
and sharing it with your friends. Take care, everybody. Thank you. Bye. Two Bulls in a China Shop is an entertainment program, and all thoughts and opinions expressed in the show belong to the hosts and not of any company. They are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide entertainment about stocks and the financial industry of trading. If you make trades based on what you hear in this show, you assume all risks for those trades.